0: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Okay, folks. Just so you know, uh, teeing off bright and early tomorrow, we have... The PGA tours, third major of the year, the US Open. Often the most unwatchable golf tournament in my eyes at times. Just because it I think it's more along the lines of watching torture. Some golf fans absolutely love it because it is the sets up as the most difficult course and they like the fact that golfers are stressing out on national television. And flipping out at a ball, a ball placement on holes, uh, just difficult shots. The greens running too fast, so whenever they're putting uh, things, go awry. Try to chip doesn't work. So, the U.S. Open oftentimes is the tournament that prides itself on having the highest scores amongst the golfers in the field, and this year. We have lots of drama to touch upon. I mean, not even covering the the course itself. Uh, We got a field of 156 players. Uh, So you've got amateurs uh, who qualified, uh, individuals who went through uh, various qualifier tournaments. So you have a deeper field than normal major courses. And again, you only advance into the weekend. If you are in the top 60 and then uh, if you're tied for top 60, you can't get in as well, but there's some caveats to that, which honestly the tiebreakers always get very confusing uh, as to how they sort that out. But it is again, you're losing out over half the field of a normal tournament because normally it, it's uh, just under half the field. Uh, uh, that makes it this is a much larger uh, pool of uh, players that are going to get cut this week. And uh, this year it sets up at uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, called the Country Club. It, it's just outside of Boston. It's a par 70 course with uh, total distance at around 7,200 yards. You know, it's, uh, I want to say, uh, it's hosted at least, I think it was three other U S opens, uh, total. So this should be number four, but it ha- they hadn't actually gone back to this course in over 20 years. Uh, because the last time that they played the U S open here was 98. So yeah, we're, we're going back a ways, a ways, uh, uh to this golf course now, The one thing I always say about when they have the U.S. Open in the Northeast, I always anticipate wind. It's just you're going to get wind in the Northeast uh, in, in the summertime. It's just one of those things where either the wind picks up or it's hot and the course just dries out, which makes the greens incredibly fast and difficult to putt. So, I'm going to get into some of the guys that I am not big on that other people are. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of talk through, uh, uh, some of my thought process and the fact that, uh, uh, how the course plays. But the biggest story beyond just the golf course, in my opinion, is the simple fact that we have the PGA Tour and now this, uh, Live golf tour backed by the Saudi Arabian government that is just handing out oodles of cash to any golfer willing to make the jump. And what the live tour is doing is they're also poaching the amateurs from the PGA ranks. So, what the live uh, golf tour basically has done is they have, in many cases, I would say it's 10 times the amount you can make on the live golf tour versus the PGA tour. Now the tournament tournament format's completely different. It's shotgun, uh, format, a three day golf tournament, no cut events. On a live golf tour. Purists will say it's heresy. If looking by the first event that they had, it looked like <laughs> closer to, Uh, some nouveau, uh, rave style party atmosphere going on. And then, yeah, there's a golf course, uh, tournament going on in the background. It, it, it was definitely an interesting sight to say the least, uh, of what they're going for because it definitely seems to cater to a more casual crowd, which I could only see to imagine rankling purist watchers of, uh of golf tournaments because, uh, for those of you who don't know, and they, they finally, I, I, at least I think they've finally stopped doing this. Like you would have golf spectators like uh, snitching on players for r- potential rules infractions and literally calling in to the PGA during televised events to narc on players. If they think there's any, Sense of impropriety. Sometimes it's possible. Other times it's just really random ass rules that honestly doesn't really lend itself well to the average Joe just trying to watch golf and just casual interest. There's way too many uh, folks at the hardcore end of the spectrum that, again, you may like uh, difficult golf courses. uh, uh, playing out but at the end of the day this is where we have to kind of take a step back and I want to say that the rhetoric around the live golf tour now we have plenty of reservations about uh, Saudi Arabia and their true intentions of uh, some of these sports leagues we talked about it when uh the purchase of Newcastle United went down it's a different uh it's the dawn of a new age and i'm not saying it's better or worse i think there are a lot of questions to be raised but the sanctimony that the pga tour has kind of pitched this under does not uh, lend itself well in terms of general viewership because the pga tour has uh pitched this as an invading force and they're david versus goliath try to hold on as if they are this mom and pop shop when the PGA tour makes billions in terms of uh, revenue uh, streams uh, from uh, partner golf courses. So the PGA tour cannot cry foul as though they are being bullied by the live golf tour. Live has a lot of deep backers in in terms of money uh, being thrown around. But it's not as though uh, the PGA Tour is this innocent bystander. The PGA Tour has its own weight to flex around, and they have done so by suspending uh, any golfer who has played on the Live Golf Tour as soon as they tee off. Now, the reason why you have the golfers who've played in events, so Patrick Reese, one of them, uh, you're going to have Dustin Johnson, uh, uh, playing in this uh, U.S. Open. That's because the U.S. Open is run by the USGA. The PGA uh, does not necessarily have the authority to overrule the USGA on who can compete and who can't compete. Now, there are other questions down the line as to other majors that if some of these players w- wanted to fight this, I think there's a uh, actual reasonable legal case that they could make in that regard, thus far, it seems as though the players have been getting paid so much by Live Golf Tour that they've decided to resign their PGA Tour membership in lieu of a uh, potential suspension. So uh, Dustin Johnson uh, resigned, Kevin Na resigned his PGA Tour card. So you know, it seems as though the players are trying to find an amicable break from this, as opposed to the PGA Tour itself which is uh, essentially branded to all these players persona non grata and unwelcome in any uh, PGA-sponsored event directly through them. Now, how does this play into the U.S. Open, you're asking, and why should I care? Well, the reason why you should care is the fact that the PGA Tour golfers who have remained in the uh, tour itself have been talking up a huge game in terms of all the guys who left and said they did it for money' it's like there's been a lot of trash talk going on in terms of uh, uh, si- sidebar commentary from uh current tour players so you had Rory McElroy who run who won the RBC Canadian Open this past weekend uh, Justin Thomas a uh, uh, top five player in the world uh, won the players championship earlier. Uh, a couple of weeks back, he was talking about the Live Golf Tour and uh, the lack of competition. So there's been a lot of barbs being tossed about by the current PGA Tour players that are remaining on tour about the guys who have left. Now, they're being spokesman for the PGA, but here's the long and short of it. If they talk up this game, and do not perform on the U.S. Open while the Live Tour guys make the cut, it just makes it look that much worse because you've been playing this up that the guys who are left don't want to compete and hang anymore and are just going for the money. Like, that's the way the PGA Tour and uh, some of the players have framed this argument as to, you know, why these guys are leaving. John Rahm was a a bit more conciliatory about it in terms of his response that you know he's not motivated by the additional money he can make, he's satisfied with what he's made thus far, he's been very successful in his career earnings. But if you're a younger player, because Taylor Gooch is one of the prime examples of this, you are going to make 20 million dollars in a year easily uh playing a live golf tour. If you play all the events you're probably making north of 50. Charles Schwartzel uh, just won $4 million from winning a golf tournament uh, this past weekend. The guys who are young and up and coming, they're going to be making a couple, uh, uh, a, 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 a couple uh, uh, eight-figure deals easily on the live golf tour so the decision to move is honestly not that hard if you're looking at it from a monetary perspective if folks are saying oh well what about three to four years well here's the thing is the pga tour realistically gonna be able to stop these guys from playing if they took up a lawsuit and my whole argument about this is i don't necessarily think the pga tour has that's strong of a case of uh, business practice wise to say no, you can't compete if you're on another tour. Like, because it's not as though they're giving out contracts to the players, it's a membership. They revoked the membership because they played at another golf course that's not PJ sponsored, but technically that's. You know, guys play at different golf courses all the time without having uh, be in fear of uh, having their tour membership pulled. I mean, you've got a European Golf uh, Tour with uh, a DP uh, DP Tour like that has a- affiliation with the PGA Tour. So again, if you really wanted to make a legal argument, it, you could actually argue that well, there are other golf courses and tours that are going on. That the PGA has never suspended players over what makes this so different, and realistically, I think the PGA Tour's case is about as flimsy as the NCAA's case that they try to use against student athletes as to why they shouldn't be paid. You know, if you're a golfer, technically you should be able, if you are skilled enough and enough people are interested in you, to be able to apply your trade, whichever tour you fe- you seem fit that without having. Some exclusivity restriction. And technically, it's not as though golf is uh uh not subject to like a, an antitrust exemption. They're not baseball. I honestly think that this is a reasonable enough attempt uh for a court case if a player wanna go down the road. And I think that may be something down the line where if the live tour does not succeed, yeah, these guys have made a ton of money, but yeah, they'll still want to play golf competitively. I think they can make a legal argument as to why they should have membership. And I think the guy who is most likely going to be pushing for having his membership restored is Phil Mickelson. Because Lefty, you know, we all know about some of the uh, ridiculous comments he's made and the fact that he's been very open about his gambling addiction. And, you know, one of the rationales as to why people think Phil was one of the most eager to leave and uh, join up with uh, this operation that uh, Greg Norman uh, uh, is uh, in charge of is the fact that the gambling by Phil is catching up with him. And, you know, yes, he's won majors, but when you live a certain lifestyle and, you know, Michael Jordan always talks about it, Barkley, Barkley, has been talking about it as well. When you are actively gambling and you're betting big because these guys are ultra competitive, it's very easy to blow through cash. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the suspicions people have had about Mickelson's intentions about this tour to begin with. Now, Mickelson has said he's earned his membership. I think some of these live tour guys have something to prove. And, I know some folks are saying that because they're getting paid a lot of money, they're not motivated. I think they're motivated by the fact that people are talking trash about the fact that these guys are not interested in grinding out victories anymore and are just taking the bag, you know, at a certain level as a competitor, I think that is enough to get you motivated to uh, ball out at some of these events. So I honestly think, This U.S. Open is very dicey. I think there's a real chance you can see someone on the Live Tour win. uh, And, you know, they may not win outright, but I think they can get some bragging rights where, you know, they get a top five finish. Like, it's a lot harder to bag on the Live Tour if their guys are finishing high. And because everyone's going to be clustered together uh, in terms of this U.S. Open, it's going to be difficult scoring. You know, as long as you don't blow up and certain guys like Patrick Reed, I, I think they're going to be able to manage and scramble. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, let's get into the breakdown. But I, I can't wait to see some of the commentaries because I look at it. We already know how much Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau can't stand each other. Especially on the Brooks side. I'm very curious now that Bryson's announced that he's leaving. There's a real chance that uh, Brooks could end up being uh, the next guy to go to. I'm still not sold on that. But I do want to hear if Brooks wants to comment on Bryson leaving and being in the field this week. You know, it's one of those things where I think some of these guys competitively, they just start looking at, all right, what's this other guy doing? They're on the other tour now. It's us versus them. I think you're going to get some very interesting commentary uh, from uh, uh, the press events uh, throughout the the course of the week. So uh, like I said, you know, I'm not that huge on the U S open from an aesthetic viewership standpoint, because it's just not very, it, you know, you don't want a birdie fest at, at golf tournaments, in my opinion, but I think there should be a balance, and I don't think the U.S. Open has that balance. It's just a lot of difficult greens, and honestly, I think you're going to watch uh, guys chip the putt, uh, chip the ball, uh, and what should land clean ends up rolling up or down uh, the hill, depending on where they are, and you know they're further out. Uh, from the hole than they should be. Instead of being uh, 15, 20 feet out, they end up being 40 feet out because they rolled all the way down uh, some embankment uh, or just rolled off uh, the green entirely. It's just, it's very possible with the U.S. Open just knowing where the pin placements can be uh, and how they shift. Like, they love having high scores. That's just the way they are. So, again, not my favorite cup of tea, but I think we got more than enough uh, interesting routes here. So let's get into it in terms of uh, the favorites. Uh, you know, Rory uh I talked about it before. He won the RBC Open, uh, Canadian Open. He's ten to one uh, to win the tournament. Uh, Justin Thomas is right behind him at eleven to one, and then you got uh, Scotty Scheffler at uh, uh, fourteen to one. Uh, no, actually twelve to one, and uh, John Rahm at fourteen to one. Xander Shoffley is sixteen to one, and uh, yeah, you've got uh, Victor. Yeah, so uh, Hoblin is thirty-five to one. Yeah, yeah, Xander was. uh, uh, Yeah, I talk about Xander. Jordan Spieth twenty-eight to one. Uh, Cam Smith twenty-two to one. Colin Morikawa thirty to one. You know interesting dynamic, uh, uh Dustin Johnson 28 to 1 uh Will Zalatoris 30 to 1 you know kind of going through the favorites i know everyone's on Rory McIlroy and roy has been talking a lot uh, you know he made the, the backhanded comment about having one more uh pj tour win over that other guy and he was Make, take it a shot at uh, Greg Norman without saying his name. You know, everyone likes it. The, the, I, I'll be perfectly honest. Rory has talked so much that he actually does need to show up at this tournament and play well. Not just uh, make the cut. He actually has to play well because he's put himself as a bit of a lightning rod in terms of the competitive play and, you know, uh, uh, having... Uh, talking about the PGA Tour being the best tour in the world, which it still is. But the amount of bad mouthing of the live tour, it's becoming increasingly obvious the PGA Tour guys are going to have to ball out. And when Rory puts pressure on himself, which is this is the reason why he hasn't won the career Grand Slam yet, uh, you know he still won't be able to do it yet. He just uh, uh, because he missed out on uh, the players, but. I'm just saying uh this is not necessarily a spot that I like Rory where he, he's got pressure on himself and everyone's looking at him this is usually when Rory fails on us you know I know he's playing in good form but this is this is more mental than anything else I'm just not completely convinced Rory is necessarily Uh, locked in and focused on what he needs to do to win this type of golf course event because he's going to have to drive it off the tee and putt well across the board. And it's got to do it over the course of four days because true to form with Rory and Majors he usually has that one day where it's a bad day and it puts him out of contention. The issue with uh, this tournament is that one bad day can just mean that you're getting cut uh and you missed the cut line uh at the end of round two on friday because you can't fall too many shots behind yes people are gonna put up bad scores uh, you got a bunch of amateurs in the field like th- there will be some high numbers but in terms of the higher stakes uh, uh that you go i i just I look at some of these uh lines and I just think it's I think it's a, a decent enough wide uh, uh breadth of players that can win this, like a Tony Finau, who's thirty-five to one, Matt Fitzpatrick, thirty to one, Sam Burns, who's won multiple times on the PGA tour already this year, thirty to one, Max Homa, forty-five to one, Daniel Berger, thirty five to one. You've got guys who have decent odds that aren't that far off the pace of some of the top players in the world. And with my expectation that folks are going to be pretty clustered together because of how the golf course plays and being difficult. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world where you take a shot on, uh, these guys in the uh, 30 range. I don't necessarily like getting, uh, the value on some of these, uh, golfers in, in the low uh, teens. and, uh, getting close to single digits, ownership, uh, odds rank. I, you know, I just look at this as saying Rory has not been great in terms of pressures on in a big event. The form's getting better, but whenever it's come to the big events, he just hasn't delivered. And I'm not sure this is the golf course for him. I, I know a lot of folks are high on Rory and they think he has the best chance to win. I don't, personally. I would even suggest fading him in DFS if you're willing to do so. I just think that you know there are going to be guys finishing above him, and so I don't think he has the upside. He's being he's been priced in the betting markets and on the uh, DFS as if he's one of the, uh, the top options to win uh, the tournament. And uh, I don't know. I, I think he's probably closer to I really think he's closer to really being a 25 to 1 uh, odds wise but because he won last week that's what's driving all of this down I think he would have been in the teens anyway but because he won the event people are locking themselves into Rory and I just don't see it I I don't necessarily see him winning, winning the event this week so When you go back on things, you're looking at, uh, some of these players. So Justin Thomas, another case example where the odds are very high on him. You know, obviously he's won a major this year, but the issue is I, I think his putter, you know, he's been getting better, but the U S open putting is a different beast than, uh, 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 the Memorial or uh, uh, I want to say Charles Schwab, but it wasn't Charles Schwab, but uh, we've had a couple of uh, uh, golf tournaments besides the RBC open and the Memorial where, yeah, he's looked better with the putter and that's always been JT's biggest issue, but I don't think over the course of four days where the USGA tries to make these holes as difficult as possible. I don't, I don't see JT being able to putt well enough to hang in there i i, I think that's just going to be an issue uh, uh kind of moving down the line uh to be perfectly honest so other guys that i just cannot get behind xander his game has not been good since like he just he's been struggling quite a bit uh, throughout i mean truth be told this dates back to the Tokyo Olympics. Like that was like when he won the gold medal. That was basically the peak, and it's just been a slow decline uh, throughout. A you know he's had a couple of blips. Uh, you know I think he did have a decent week uh, with uh, the Zurich uh, uh, Zurich Championship, uh, which was a team event. But outside of that, uh, you know, I just again his game has not been a good spot and this is not the tournament to be dabbling with the likes of Zander. so i hate him from a betting perspective i think that uh his odds were too low uh i mean not too low but it's like a six, 16 one like realistically he should be closer to uh 50 I, I i just he's getting there off of name recognition alone not necessarily where his game is at at the moment uh, same Issue I see with uh, Jordan Spieth because Jordan Spieth, while he his form has been better, the issue with Spieth is that it's been all putter. Like he hasn't been driving the ball accurately onto fairways in quite some time, and he's been scrambling and making putts to get there. The problem is the U.S. Open putting is not going to be easy. In my opinion, I don't want guys who rely necessarily on their putter as one of my top players. Like I can punt with a Kevin Kisner or Danny McCartney, but, you know, speed is in that mix right now. He's been doing it with the putter when normally he can't, but it's usually he's supposed to be a good driver, but he has not been driving the ball accurately at all and I do want to be testing that out uh, at a major. So from a DFS perspective, uh, fading uh, speed, even though he's one of the most popular plays, I'll be fading speed, be fading Willie Z. Z. Xander, definitely. Rory and Justin Thomas, I just don't like them as plays, especially on the DFS side. uh you're paying 10,5 Rory and 10,900 on Justin Thomas. Their ownership is going to be low, but I mean, uh, not low, not low uh, in in terms of uh, uh, the odds, because they're still going to get significant ownership. They're probably going to be closer to 20%. The issue is I just, when they're that highly owned, you actually need them to win the uh, golf tournament. And I just, I, I think the odds are giving them a little bit too much credit uh, in terms of uh, their ability to win. I would much rather be on the side of John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler versus uh, the hundred uh, plus golfers who technically are, uh, or were eligible for playing in events. So some of them are now suspended, but you know, I just look at it and say, I want the guys who can drive the ball and be on the green. So Cam Smith, uh, he's one of those other characters that I, I definitely be interested in uh, having him uh, in the mix. I I don't know if he'll make the final cut for me, but I do think that uh, Cam Smith uh, can be entertained and Rom and Scheffler Definitely have been uh, that more. So to me, I'm looking at this and saying it's Scheffler and Rom up top in terms of like guys uh, with uh, the, the biggest odds. But I definitely would be dabbling more in the lines of a Sam Burns, a Daniel Berger, Max Homa. These guys are not that far off the pace. Their games have been translating well. I think you can go with these guys in terms of uh, uh, outright bets. And, you know, I would even look towards uh, if you're going with a dart uh, board th- type throw, you can look at a Sun JM at four, uh, he's coming in around 40 to one. I would be very much looking at those types of plays because to me, you can get far more value out of uh, them than I I would think the best uh, bulk of a player. So Corey Connors is another guy. 60 to 1. I would take Corey Connors because of the fact that uh, the iron play is so elite that off the drive, you know, iron play alone I don't, I honestly, I I think Connors putting has been significantly better that the people making arguments for Justin Thomas. I think there's a stronger argument to be made for, uh, uh, Corey Connors as a whole. And that's where, uh, it's, uh, it's something that you got to kind of bear in mind. In my opinion, that that's the way I would look at it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking at guys like Mito Pereira, 45 to 1. Mito, of course, uh, imploded uh, right on 18 uh, with the uh, last major, uh, which allowed uh, uh, Justin Thomas to sneak in through the back door uh, to win the players again. But Mito's been playing great golf. I, I just think that. You know, some of these guys are not gonna be there that the public expect them to be. And I think you gotta go further down the list if you're if you're betting an outright winner. I, I don't think it's one of necessarily one of the guys up top. I think they can be in the mix for top twenty fish, but that's not what you're really betting on them for. You you could bet on uh, a Brian Harmon who's at a hundred and thirty to one to win, but if a top 20 finish, you're, you're getting him closer to like a, a, a thirty uh a, a 35-40 to one, which I think is very reasonable. Brian Harmon is one of those guys, just like I talk about Patrick Reed, they can scramble, they can get those uh, up and down shots that other guys struggle with. And so that's why I just, I look at it as like, this is a pretty straightforward week for me. I like it. guys like uh, Louis outson I like Sunjay like you've got guys who can play irons and you know realistically if they're driving the ball and again Louis's biggest issue is drive ac- uh, driving accuracy he he could struggle but he again from a betting standpoint and DFS pricing standpoint, Way cheaper than Justin Thomas and is a similar play to Justin Thomas. You've got to look at it from the standpoint of some of these guys of the overall favorites that are being uh, selected here, there are guys who have very similar skill sets that are further down the totem pole in terms of betting odds that they can absolutely get there. And I think if we're being creative here, You can put together some tickets of guys uh, getting top 20 finishes that are pretty much going to be along the lines of Webb Simpson, Uh, 110. Webb's been uh, playing well, and he has a great uh, record over the years at the U.S. Open. He's another guy who can grind up and down. So, you know, when we're looking at it, it's like, yeah, you can take a flyer on some of these guys to win outright, but you know, the U S open is usually a crap shoot anyway, in terms of getting winners. But what you want to try to do is see some of these guys who can get top 20 upside. And, and I want to get the guys who can scramble and make some, uh, timely, uh, putts, uh, when need be. But if you're not a great putter, I want to make sure you're an excellent iron player. So Corey Connors, you know, not nearly as, uh, bad with putting as Justin Thomas can be. I know folks are trying to say that JT's getting hot with the putter, but honestly, that can easily go sideways with uh a couple of holes. Like I, I just I don't think there's necessarily gonna be the uh the consistency there with uh some of these players. So I, I like I said if we're doing some dark horse picks Harold Varner the third sixty five to one uh, Davis Riley, 80 to 1, just been playing excellent golf as of late. Keegan Bradley, uh, form wise, uh, Keegan's on the good side. When bad Keegan shows up, you don't want to be anywhere near him. But Keegan Bradley, 80 to 1, definitely could be in the mix uh, come Sunday. So I would say keep your mind open in terms of how you go about uh, your. Uh, bets and roster construction because to me i look at it and say if i take sheffler and rom sheffler or rom i you, you could technically play them both in dfs but uh th- i think that puts you a little bit too thin pricing wise but i think you can live in the 7k range because you've got a bunch of guys and even tommy fleetwood i just don't like tommy fleetwood in terms of Historically, just does not show up well in majors. Like, yeah, he could he get to a top thirty finish possibly, but be in the mix for Sunday, not likely. uh Fleetwood is one of those guys where on paper it makes a ton of sense playing, but in reality, not so much. Bryson DeChambeau, Bryson is the ultimate X factor. If Bryson is healthy, Bryson can dominate this golf course. Easily off the tee and using his irons. Bryson could dominate this golf course just because of shot length. Now, Bryson is still recovering from surgery that uh, 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 uh regarding the ham ape bone in his wrist. You know, I just, I'm not sure if Bryson's healthy. Then there's the whole backdrop of these live golf tour guys. They're going to get booed. there's no question about it. Uh, Fans are going to boo them just because of how the PJ has positioned all of this talk for a guy like Patrick Reed. I think booing actually makes him better for a guy like Bryson, who's very sensitive booing throws his game off. So I think Bryson is more of a, uh, deep, deep GPP play, uh, from, uh, a roster construction standpoint, betting wise, he's 80 to one. And, realistically i think that number needs to be closer to 150 to one if he but that's because i'm not entirely sold that he's healthy but if bryson was healthy he'd probably be 10 to 1 and then that's the thing it's just you know the betting markets are factoring uh these things in but the injury he had was significant enough where you know picking up a golf club and hitting it, it you know it's gonna take a little while for him to bounce back I'm not entirely sure this is the best route for him to play, but because of him joining the Live Golf Tour, he's only going to get so many opportunities to play on the state side. so he's taking advantage of this. I just, you know, I would say uh, Bryce is a deep, deep GPP dart if you're putting together lineups. Do not have him as your single entry or your three max entry. It, I think you need to be playing closer to... 20 lineups, 40 lineups, 50 lineups, all the way up to 150, to be considering uh, Bryson DeChambeau. I I just think there's way too many question marks on his health and ability to uh, uh, put something together for four days. the The hand has had to hold up for has to hold up for four days. I'm still not sold on Bryson just yet. I'll have my player pool just so I I don't get smoked uh, if he does turn out to be healthy, but I'm not convinced of it. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. It's like you've got a bunch of young guys in uh, Burger, Burns, and Homa that I'm very much interested in. Connor's in that mix too. Mito in, uh, in that mix too. Cameron Young, 50 to 1. Got a number of younger players that haven't joined the Live Tour uh, that are hungry. I think they they can get it done this week uh, in terms of outright bets. So I'd be looking uh, uh, to dabble on all the guys I had mentioned uh, in that range. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for me. Uh, Hopefully we get some entertainment with this U.S. Open. Uh, You know, again, if it's just talking about how difficult the course is to me, that's terrible television. But if we get guys feeling good about themselves, uh, so willing to take more risks, I think you can have some, uh, very interesting commentary going on with the commentators kind of bashing the live tour guys. If they happen to be in contention. So we'll see how it goes, but, uh, that's going to do for me. Uh, best of luck, everyone enjoy, uh, the U S open. And hopefully we get a nice, uh, four days of golf, uh, in the mix with, uh, interesting press conferences uh uh uh, to go along with everything so uh, that's gonna do it for me have a good one folks and until next time be be well thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast be sure to like and subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, google podcasts and all other major outlets